were you going to say, Johnny? I didn't know. <laughs> he's the only person I knew at the time. Yeah. He was like chiropractor. But yeah, so he's been a part of like that crew for a while now. Okay. But, the quiet part. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, thanks for thanks for swinging by, man. We are recording, oh, sure. so you know. That's fine. Okay. But we'll cut out. We won't, we won't post oh, anything. We've tried to talk people so badly now yeah. that I'm going to have to edit at least 15 minutes of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how was the seminar? Uh, it was good. It was more... What, so one of my lifters was there, and he, I went down because he had requested me to come down and do like an in-person training session mm-hmm. with him, and we were talking about, okay, well, I want to make, because it's a four and a half hour drive for my time, he wanted to... Yeah, it was in Eastern Washington. Right? It was Wenatchee, yeah, oh, okay. so it was it was a bit of a trek, and he said, well, I want to make sure that you know I pay you for it, and maybe even to make it more worth your time, we'll get some more people in and see if they can kind of pool some money together to basically cover the trip, and then... Make it a little bit less of just like right, sacrificial, right, 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 <laughs> you know, right, you yeah. get my whole day kind of a thing. But it was good. I went down and uh, worked with about six or seven people in the morning, and then a couple of others came in afterwards. And it was a, I think we got a lot of work done, and everybody seemed really stoked and like they like they took a lot away from it. So that was kind of my goal. That's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna ask more questions about your seminar in just a sec. But I guess so. Should we do an inner? Sure. Introduce. Just, just make sure levels are all coded. Okay. Cool. So. Like, all right. So, we're back. Well, I know, right? It's weird. With with Ben Rice. So, and if if you don't know who Ben Rice is, Ben Rice is you can be at two twenty now, right? Uh, two thirty one is the class. Two, technically. Okay. okay so one hundred five. Yeah, that's right. One hundred five yeah, class. Yeah. Um, well, because it's it depends on which federation you're in. If you're in like one of the U.S. only. Strictly U.S. federations, there's a 220 class in there. Right. In most federations, I think USAPL and IPF are the only ones that have gone to the the IOC classes yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. They're trying to yeah, because because 105 is in weightlifting. That's what that's what we have. Yeah. Too. So it's not it's 74, 83, 93, 105, 120, 120 plus. Do you you don't. You don't lift at two thirty one though, do you? Yeah. Or, or are you like un- you're underweight? I'm right? definitely under. I'm yeah, trying so to work my way up there. Never but... have to, you never have to cut. Uh, being, I don't know. It's it's not it's somehow. Sometimes it's nice being underweight in a weight class because then you don't have to cut and you're like eating all the way up until. Yeah, it's it's it takes the stress away from the cut specifically, but actually competing, you are kind of at a disadvantage yeah, because everyone else is, you know, just has a body weight advantage over you. Which is huge, especially like for me, I don't know about you, but like anytime my body weight goes up or down, I instantly notice it in my press. Yeah. Like my the, press is the first place I notice it. It usually I think the the biggest factor for gaining weight is the press is benefited, the squat usually gets some help, the deadlift actually I mean, it, you have a harder time getting in position. Well, it's it's the one that doesn't really scale with the body weight as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, um, okay, so we should finish the introductions before I get too sidetracked. Oh, so anyway, Ben Rice competes 105 intimidating. weight class. He's like, he's like a giddy girl. No, it's because we don't Rice. usually... Rice is here. Well, I don't want to look halfway handsome. He is. He's got that nice 5 o'clock shadow that he's always well, I got. Can't wait yeah. for the we got to take pictures, too. I usually... Yeah. Do we have to have shirts on? Well, you're both not having shirts on. Well, if Ben has his shirt off, it has to be taken from the front because his back will like put us all in shadow. Yeah, well, the front puts you all at risk of getting sunburned from the rain. <laughs> you gotta be all, you gotta be careful, man. Uh, no, you're not doing. You beat on the pale department. Yeah. You're not. No, well, you're like pink. Yeah. 
You're like no, my a, daughter's not here. She's she's literally alabaster. Uh, like a baby rat, like pink, <laughs> pink skin. Come on. A ginormous, <laughs> overweight baby rat. Yeah, with some shoulders. Uh, <laughs> but in, and Ben has competed. You've been competing at the international because you get to like worlds, right? Uh, not in this federation yet. I I've competed like in um yeah some some different federations. Uh, recently in the last few years, probably since. I'd say probably 2010, 2011, the USAPL and the IPF have really kind of been drawing more high-level uh, competitors. There's mm-hmm. been, it used to be kind of the way that I, I think a lot of lifters would look at it as, oh, that's where you go if you aren't strong enough to, to keep up with strong people, and so they give yep. you these crazy strict standards that make you feel better about your subpar right. total. And I don't think that's been the case recently. Um, now it's it's become one of the more... Uh, or probably the the premier place to go for drug tested lifting, and so I think that's the biggest that's the biggest claim to fame of this. And so I was doing a lot of other uh, different kinds of competitions in different federations um, at all sorts of different levels. And then this is the one where I've kind of shifted towards saying, okay, well, this is where the competition seems to be trending to. Right, right, right. Well, that makes sense too. Well, and, I mean. Even a lot of the older guys would tell you that IPF is, you know, if you want to take powerlifting as far as you can, like IPF is where you want to go. Yeah. So whatever it, the gateway to IPF is. Yeah, it's it's probably the most, it, when, when someone talks about international competition, IPF is probably the best representation from other countries, uh, where most of the other, even world level competitions in... In, 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 in the other federations, the they're all yeah, they all happen to be in the yeah. in the states, pretty much. So they're all in Vegas, and they're all like just people from the United States. Yeah, the, it, the represent the international yeah. representation is much higher in the IPF versus the versus other federations. Uh, the growth of USAPL and IPF. Do you think that? I mean, you're in it deeper than I am, but it seems like the growth of just raw powerlifting in general over like the past what four or five probably not just four years maybe three or four years uh i I, we probably noticed it more in that time but it's i'd say for the last five or six years is is really when it's been do you think that's so do you think that probably the the raw lifting and maybe like the uh the drug tested lifting is all all that's kind of been going on for the past and then leading to ipf i think it's i think it's been getting more i think it's been getting more popular it's becoming more um it's it's almost like a backlash against because i think when a little bit earlier like in the early 2000s there was still really a draw towards the 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 sport was still shifting towards multiply and then as much gear as much steroids as much food as you could not for everyone but that's that was the perception but i think i think one of the honestly the biggest changes is uh it was a backlash of the extreme gear and kind of the prevalence and the the uptick in uh, video sharing and yeah and, and yeah, um, so not only was raw lifting getting more popular largely probably due to CrossFit and more people being exposed to barbell sport but also uh, just just this idea of of wanting to get stronger and not having to pay a lot of extra money for this other thing and then when videos start getting shared and social media starts getting bigger you start to see this real backlash towards people that are well depth in squats yeah. and and pressing with a lot of things where it used to be 
no one knew whatever me. happened at the meet happened at the and you and you'd find out about it in the powerlifting watch and have a video or something like well, that. well even before then though it was the magazines right yeah. you'd go and you'd get the powerlifting usa powerlifting yeah. usa magazine would have the meet reports of those and there might be some pictures but there was very little video content and i think that that a lot of these the higher standards started to be recognized when there's more video so you can actually compare like oh this is what people can get away with at these other meets and this is well i remember shoot what was it maybe three or four years ago wasn't like spf or some federation was like trying to ban people like no video or camera they were yeah, trying to like there was <laughs> what trying does to, that mean well <laughs> Dang, there was yeah. a reason people were going to well, SPF for a little bit there. Yeah. Right. The the it's it's. <laughs> I don't think it's so much because the standards are all are all set in the rule book. It's not about it's mm -hmm. not necessarily about strict or non strict standards. It's more about. Do they get to adhere to? Yeah, the adherence by the by the judging and then by the lifters well, themselves. Exactly. The rule book can say whatever it wants, but the person making the call is, is where it comes down to, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Well, and, and, well and, I don't think there's a federation out there that. Right. In there, if, if we're talking, if you're that. talking to, uh, yeah. specifically about the squat, I don't think there's a federation out there that says can be X number of degrees above. Well, no, but you're going to have one person's. Mice well, right, but that's yeah. no, to me to Ben's point. Oh, is yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's about it, you know. just the the kind of the standardization of those expectations. Everybody knows it. I mean, because all the rule books have the same standard for the squat. That's the the lifter shall squat down to until the crease of the hip is below the top of the knee. And people like, where's the crease of your hip? If you could point to it, and then it, right. it's one of those things where right. the standard is just being that higher. So that's I think people were were attracted to feeling their lifts being considered more legitimate, or it, or maybe we're just frustrated with doing other meets and having even if they were legitimate, having people look at them. So there is still a divide in in the I guess in the culture or in the. Uh, in the community, there's still a divide in the community, but I do believe that more and more each year, um, the the USAPL and the IPF specifically are getting more and more big named lifters or, or higher performance lifters, and there's less of you look at some of those some of the totals being put up, and you're maybe less inclined to say, well, it's where people are going to duck the strong right, right, guys. Right. Yeah, you, yeah, you'd see a total or something up on powerlifting and watch and be like. Yeah, there's a little asterisk back, to, you know, against that. Or, um, when, and you you know this probably just as, as much as I do. Plus, just for like the layperson, it is such a pain in the ass to to you know to try and explain geared lifting to them. Right, it is a nightmare. There's an asterisk next to everything you do, and I and I don't yeah. have any hate towards equipped lifting. I, I have I have friends that I I tease about it all the time. I. Just in general, though, I, I do think that it's easier for someone who... The layperson is what I... Yeah, I don't have any, any bad blood against gear lifting. Well, even, even, somebody, even somebody who has some experience... A certain episode? No. Okay. <laughs> well, even, even someone who has some experience with lifting weights but hasn't worn equipment doesn't really yeah. get it as much and maybe is turned out they don't understand the work that goes into it. So I do have a lot of respect for the what's required because you have to be way more technically it's, proficient in it's, equipment it's a it's a whole other skill set you have to know right but i but it's a different skill set and i think that's what people forget and then it, it does kind of factor into how popular can we make this for someone who isn't experienced at all if the people who are lifting 
already but just don't have experience with equipment maybe have certain opinions about it imagine someone who doesn't have experience lifting and how oh, they're going to look at it understand. So. you know this might piss off some people but in, in a way geared lifting almost reminds me of olympic lifting in the fact that there's this highly technical aspect of it and you know geared lifters yeah they'll good geared lifters will lift raw but they also can't get too far away from lifting in their gear because they need to constantly be honing that skill set of lifting their gear, yeah, yeah, and, and you know honing in the work with the gear. And similarly, like Olympic lifters, they you know they they do strength work and stuff, but they can't ever get too far away from just doing the snatch and the clean and jerk and, and stuff because they're constantly having to grease that groove and that skill pattern. I I think also a parallel maybe is that you you'd be very hard pressed. It's very difficult to coach those high technical skills uh remotely oh, or yeah. or to do it on your mm -hmm. own like you you can, you will you see yeah, plenty of coaching a, a geared powerlifter good luck or i mean just being able to like set the gear itself mm -hmm. or and then with olympic lifting you know the coaching of the technical aspects there are so many more you can get away with so much less with an equipped lift because you are dealing with more weight than you yourself can actually mm -hmm. lift if you slip out of the groove just a little bit uh you know you you're you need spotters yeah you, it, the the culture of the training is also just more based well, on on kind of team yeah, team, yeah. There, there's well, more of a takes, team thing you know if you have a good squat suit or a good bench shirt it's going to take two goddamn people at least to get you in there. Yeah, and to uh, and to make sure that it's set each time, yeah. and to wrap your knees, and to help time your your sets so that you when you waddle out to the platform. Because yeah, if you're wearing mono, a the mono for you, yeah, I've never seen like what you guys are talking about. Yeah, you came in after everyone was basically done well, lifting I mean, the gear. With what the meets I have experienced on the lower level, but I've just missed. I think. Yeah. The guys doing so a lot of gear lifting. yeah like and like i said i think it's been a pendulum i yeah. think that it's it's kind of equipped lifting is more expensive more dependent on having training partners that are consistent and know what they're doing it's more technically demanding it's harder on the body in terms of you're seeing that uh, and I, maybe you could make an argument that it's easier on some of the joints specifically in the hip and the knee yeah. because you are the, or the shoulder because the equipment's actually yeah, helping you protect that. those yeah. but at the same time you're getting I mean it's it, you well, get the these burns and yeah, these cuts yeah, in the your skin and, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. and it's just you burst blood vessels just by you know putting on the suit and trying to squat to death is going to be a lot of the pressure it's literally physical pressure on your entire body um, so it's just it's different and I think people are more kind of drawn to well I just want to get strong and I don't want to have to put the asterisk next to my name anyway and I can yeah. I can just do this and then I know that I can lift it so I, I think that's that's kind of sort of what is what has pushed uh, the sport in that direction uh, who knows there might be a, a push back of that there now people be. there's all the I, I, th I think they're almost out just the, the what gear? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it will ever go away. I, I think that the multiply is people have a have kind of a more a worse taste in their mouth about multiply because it's uh, 
because the issue with things like depth not being achieved and, and there's been more issues with multiply is, is you've got <clears throat> a, a multiply oh, suit okay. and you've got like briefs on the the ply the ply is referring to the thickness of the equipment so like imagine wearing it i'm wearing a pair of jeans that are too tight right now because mine are all i busted the i busted the back end of all my other ones and so i'm going through like okay well why'd i stop wearing these oh right because i used 20 pounds lighter when i used to wear them but imagine wearing two pairs of these jeans that aren't going to bust out that are that are super you know you're basically wearing kevlar it's it's and some of the old shirts were denim and so it's literally you're trying to push down in denim and it gets really tight and brought a shirt up to show me one time his house and he just set it on the table and it just was like this mm -hmm. the, the the like the pinnacle of squat suits back in the, the back in the day like still is five or six years ago the leviathan you could, it's canvas. You it could, stands on its own. You could like you could fucking stand yeah, that but bitch. It's thick as a wetsuit is what it reminded me of. Yes. Thick. Yeah, there's multiple layers yeah. of the material, and yeah. that's what multiply refers oh, to. Like it would be really uncomfortable. Oh, oh it, just, well, yeah. Oh I mean, God, well, yeah. you what Ben was talking about is is it almost looks like someone took a knife and just cut yeah. circles around your I arm or your thighs. Pictures, and I'm thinking that has to be terrible for your body. I mean. I, well, it does. I mean, it does. It, I well, mean, those are not. You don't get those for good things. I mean, you have <laughs> well, the, but I mean, you say terrible for your body. We're talking. I mean, that's like. But that's like superficial marks, right? Like, skin heals real easily. Yeah, it's, it's some of the support that you can get on the hip. You know, like skin heals real easily. A fucking hip doesn't hurt or doesn't heal real easily. And, and if you know, you can squat with you know supporting your hip in a suit. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of. It, it is it's one of those things where it the the pain itself it's not it's not necessarily injury related pain a lot of the time it's more just a, an extreme discomfort. discomfort with maybe some damage to the skin itself with things like yeah. the marks and think of like maybe like a, like a hook grip right like yeah. your thumb is on fire hook grip bad you know if you're not used to it your thumb's on fire but you're not yeah. fucking hurt no 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 it's just yeah it, exactly good way to put fire yeah yeah but Ben, you started out gear lifting. Yeah, I started out with uh, I and the difference I was going to say. There's multiply, but then there's single ply lifting, which is just the the one ply, which is uh, that's where I was started out because through the high school system that I came up in. You know, so you started started in, in in gear basically. I started uh, powerlifting in single ply equipment. Um, I started lifting just lifting. Right, it wasn't it wasn't powerlifting focused, and then it transitioned. When it was powerlifting, my understanding was powerlifting was the gear, and well, at the time it it, it, it was. was. I mean, it really was. And not just in the high school system. Period. Like if you were a powerlifter back in two thousand four, you were geared powerlifter. Really. Yeah, right. raw raw lifting was was not. Bodybuilders. Did. Well, there, well, there yeah. wasn't there wasn't, wasn't a, a thing, there wasn't yeah. a competitive avenue for it. Yeah. There weren't raw divisions. Uh, so when like you if you went to a meet, you signed up to power lift. It's expected that you're wearing. Was it single or multiply at like that it, time? Like at the when I started actually competing in powerlifting in 2009, when I moved back home, I was the only raw lifter in that gym for like at least three years, and I was usually the only raw lifter at meets. And so I was really just competing against myself, trying to beat my my own numbers. Yeah, I mean there was a separation at those meets, so you would yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah, it's it there. There wasn't a raw division, and I think when uh, 
there were a few federations that started adding in raw divisions, um, and then there was, you know, the, so it, then it started to split even further though. So now there's, in some federations, there's raw and then there's classic raw, which is, knee wraps. Which is raw where you can wear knee wraps oh. still. But in uh, USAPL and IPF, raw lifting or classic powerlifting because the open class, it's, it's backwards for everything else. In, in USAPL and IPF, classic, the, the classic category is soft suit or raw lifting where you're wearing a singlet. You can have knee sleeves, uh, wrist wraps, and that's, that's your equipment. Belt. You know, belt, yes, you can wear a belt. There's a, belt a belt assists also. There's one federation that I know of that doesn't allow any of that, including a belt, and it's 100% like hardcore raw that, or something. It's the yeah, LAA, yeah, that's what they're, yeah, I know. That would be kind of cool to see, actually. Maybe. I don't know. It's, I don't know if I want to do it, but. Well, at the, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, the numbers are going to be a lot lower. Well, it's, it's just different, right? There, you go to these different. There's not a whole lot of, the reason it's not a bigger federation is because most people want to lift more. And I think yeah. that's actually the pendulum starting to swing back because even I, even yeah, raw know. lifting, the, the, the work that's going into the raw equipment, knee sleeves a few years ago were the blue Ray-Bans, which just are basically little soft, they're, I mean, they're all neoprene sleeves, but they're, they were soft and pretty pliant and they would basically keep your knee warm but you don't feel That's much it. of a difference where then they have now SBD came out with the SBD sleeves which are essentially if you get them tight enough you can get real carryover you can have more weight lifted with that sleeve than you would without a sleeve yeah and they've sure. got Titan came out with the yellow jacket knee sleeves um, the, the singlets themselves have been getting they've been putting a I, I tried a Titan singlet for the first time at last year's Nationals versus my Inzer old school singlet that I had that I got. The black one? The, yeah, the yeah. black one with no, I couldn't actually wear it at Nationals because it didn't have a logo. They couldn't tell what it was. And I said, it's well, all like rubbed off. okay, so you guys, so I had to wear a Titan singlet, which had rubber, like the, the, the material itself had a little bit of a springy quality to it. And even when it comes down to like the way that they design the singlets, uh, where the seams are, where this the seams and the and like the color differences, it's there's uh, a line that goes <laughs> down the leg, yeah. and if you and if you kind of twist, and people I don't think consider this, but if you twist the leg up and the hip part of it down, you kind of do this little corkscrew. It makes it look like your your hip is lower oh, and your that's like and the your old, knee is uh, higher. The old trick of building your knees, your knee wraps up at the top of your knee to make yeah, your, to the make top it, of your knee higher than. And it's it seems silly, but at the same time, it is like that's yep. they designed it that it'd be pretty pretty interesting to talk to someone that's when they're talking about part that. of any Each sport. Any did game. someone do that on purpose? I would. It seemed like a pretty odd design choice. Otherwise, well, it seems like not just anyone's going to make a suit. It's going to be someone who probably lifts or has some good knowledge base. They're going to be like, "Hey, make this suit, that, man." I can just do a little twist. I mean, why not? Yeah. Ben, did you take... So you got into the high school weights class first? Is uh, that how you got... Like, you started taking the weightlifting class at... I had kind of done some stuff before that. When I was really young, I was okay. already looking into calisthenics. Oh, really? and okay. I was 10 when I started, like... Because oh, I, cause I started playing sports like soccer and t-ball when I was a, a little kid. Okay. And then when I was 10 years old, I had kind of decided, like, I want to do some crazier stuff with this and yeah. then it kind of move move from there um 
I had done, it's silly, but Beachbody.com had Power 90 and back in the day, and then P90X became a yeah. thing eventually, but I did Power 90 years before that happened. Like, I was the kid who was super excited for P90X to come out. So funny. And uh, because it was going to have does, a does listing it sound, type dude, stuff. Does it sound silly to me, bro? I, w- I had a subscription <clears throat> to Flex Magazine for years. And yeah. Every single yeah. article. Well, it's, and, I, and I did. I did Muscle and Fitness and Flex Magazine when I was going through uh, high school. I want to say probably my... Was I even... It might have been even through uh, junior high because I was a multi-sport athlete all the way from from junior high up through. But I was waking up every morning. I would do a workout with the exercise videos in my room. I would do the workout and then I would go and make myself breakfast at like you know six or seven in the morning. And I would just I had the Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Modern Day Bodybuilding. I read through that whole thing. Must have must have been like nine or ten times. Yeah. Just I'd start where I was and I'd listen to. I just brought that into the weight room the other other week for my kids in there just to have it around so in between sets they could look at it. There's still some really applicable shit in there. I mean, obviously some of it's outdated, but... Yeah, well, and just some... it's it's just interesting to kind of yeah. the... some of the ideas through, you know, here's what you do and, like, just a general understanding of, of lifting culture, I guess. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Really trying to Well, to respect get. where it came from type thing, like yeah. the heritage and, of... And I... I, at the time, was thinking about you know i want to build up my you know build up my body to be stronger to do things and then when i hit high school they had the powerlifting team itself which was like oh this is this is the best way i i was more attracted to that than i was to like looking a certain way yeah the performance aspect of um it. did you jump into the high school powerlifting freshman year freshman like right year away? i did okay. um freshman year i went in I think I wore a, a champion squats either a Z suit or a champion squat suit and whatever yeah. bench shirt they had and probably uh, like a katana or something. No, it was, I don't think katana was even Oh really? Well, it wasn't even the shirt. My first I have a I have a trophy from 2005 from I think the first state championship that I got to participate in. Might have been but I definitely Oh no, second state championship I got to participate in because I competed in 2004 and took like seventh or something i was i um i competed in single ply equipment that first year and then the next year i actually went raw i didn't wear equipment my sophomore year and then i won state my junior and senior year for washington uh and i i think i purchased my own equipment for those for those those two years i had a trx squat suit and a a Rage X bench shirt, and then uh, I think I had at the time a Fusion deadlift suit, but I switched after high school to a Velocity, uh, which was a Titan. So yeah, I, yeah. I had been a an Inzer, an Inzer lifter, and then I switched to deadlifting in a Titan gear. So that's some heretical behavior, I guess. Um, at what point did you just be like, okay, I'm just going to powerlift. I mean, you played sports all the way through. All the way through. Powerlifting was But at was some my... point, you had to have, like, the light had to have gone off, like, okay, this is my focus, even if I still do those other things. Power Powerlifting was my favorite of the things that I did my junior and senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't wrestle my senior year so I could focus on powerlifting because I was a... Uh, for the high school, I was a varsity member of our football team, the wrestling team, the soccer team. I played in band, and I was on the powerlifting team. Right, like yeah, those yeah. were the things that I did. And then my uh, my junior year in wrestling, I hurt my shoulder, and I 
after I came back from that, uh, I wasn't really interested in risking damaging myself anymore for powerlifting. So right. my senior year of playing football, I dislocated that same shoulder over and over again because it never really got fixed. Um, but I decided not to wrestle my senior year and just played soccer and powerlifted that that spring. So did you hurt the you hurt the shoulder in wrestling? I hurt it and it was wrestling where I where I hurt it. I had a guy had his arm in the back and kind of this uh tried to arm bar him to toss him with my hip and it just I felt some just pop like, pop pops and it uh, just went it's and exactly what happened to Kayla. Is it? Almost exactly. Her shoulder yeah. started giving her trouble after that. Yeah. Does your shoulder bother I mean Oh it's still it's I mean every time it's 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 still the biggest thing that I that I struggle with in my lifting is that my right shoulder is always get weak. A, get a bum right shoulder. And you it's know, that mobility that, that you and Andy had her do like completely fixed her up. I don't know. Andy, like, Anthony, or, uh, Anthony. I'm sorry, Anthony. Sorry. Anthony. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if it was just the initial injury, then I'd have a better shot. I'm still I'm still not using that. I mean, if it was if I had totally given up on on trying to make it better, then I wouldn't still be trying right. to well, compete, right. yeah, but yeah. I, I think the biggest problem wasn't necessarily the initial injury, it was that afterwards it I, kept, it kept re-injuring, yeah. and so dislo I pretty much my senior year in high school, every football game I played all season, I dislocated my shoulder at least once. Like a full dislocation or like the subluxation where it's like coming partially out and then the muscles contract on it and like pops it back in? I, I had to reset it myself. Okay. So I was I got really good at resetting my shoulder and everything in there got real loose. And so it's there's a lot of slack in there and I'm sure it caused a bunch of extra Yeah, because my shoulder, my shoulder, I was doing some fucking incline dumbbell presses like senior year and my right shoulder was like unstable mm -hmm. and it like... Popped out and then kind of in the middle of the, back in. in the middle of the press. I dropped the dumbbell and it, like yanked it back in. But that you know after that it would do. I guess apparently it's called like a subluxation where mm -hmm. the head of the, the the humerus wants to come out and then everything tightens up around it. Like the muscles contract and it, like squeezes it back right. in there. But I haven't had an issue with that for you know probably 10 years now. Yeah, it's for me. It was just one of those things where I wish I would have known better. Um, because I did some physical therapy for it, but it never really felt like it was totally fixed. And then when I continued to try and just kind of do things through it, and then I've dislocated a few times uh, after the fact. I was doing some plyometric pull-ups where I would, I, there was a, a gym in Kent, Washington um, called Imperial CrossFit, and they had this pipe that ran the length of the, that still is there. I think yeah. that Ryan's kind of pushed in. They do a lot of Olympic lifting type stuff mm -hmm. now, but... There's this pipe that ran along, and there was a big girder that was about two foot, uh, two foot gap. And so my friend Zach and I would would do pull ups, and we would pull ourselves up to that pipe as as hard as we could, and try to let go and slap the girder, and then catch yourself. And it was kind of fun. Um, until you like yanked your Well, what, what, it was never a problem until until I did one, and I came down in my because normally you give yourself. You, you you have your arms aren't totally straight when you catch yourself so right, you can kind right, of slow yeah. the descent and there was one where I uh, was going for a big jump and I didn't retract my shoulders and get my arms back in time to catch myself and so I caught it in a full hang and it just went and just kind of slipped itself out again and so oh I haven't done those in a while yeah yeah well there's no reason <laughs> yeah well they looked real cool I mean, yeah uh, I remember one day you had us doing like you this is back when there was that stripper pole class, mm -hmm. like, 
craze going on. Mm-hmm. I, I just missed that. I uh, just missed that. Oh, darn. <laughs> ben was in the back on one of those poles, working that pole. Oh. And, uh, he was flagpoling on that shit, and he had me and, like, I think Chicano maybe, and, like, Ben Rob, Seed. Yep, core strength, baby. Just trying, we're, like, all three of us <laughs> are trying to do a fucking flagpole, and none of us could do it. I think... Uh, you could you could do it, but I think I don't think any of us were able to. Yeah, everybody's too heavy. Yeah, I was so at bad. the time yeah. I was doing a bunch of Russian volume training and stuff, and my core strength was pretty yeah pretty you, wild. Well, you you don't you followed like a Shaco program for a long time, right? Is yeah, that is years. that the first like really intense like in depth program you got into? Uh, I think before I did that, I was doing some. Well, I, I think I did some 531 after. I wrote my own program for right, a long yeah, yeah. time, and I went. I was. Uh, after high school, I trained a couple times with Jeff Seath, and he gave Which me. Which is more like a West Side style. Yeah, he gave me. Uh, he gave me his. Basically, his West Side and some Mark Bell DVDs, like Never Enough Squat and Deadlift yeah. and Never Enough Bench, those old ones. And so it was all very. It was conjugate, you know, West Side style conjugate training. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I structured. Oh, probably. Probably three or four years worth of training on that, and then switched when uh, Ben Seath was doing five three one, and I was doing some five three one stuff, and then this is like circa two thousand nine. Yeah, and I, I eventually I switched to a Shaco plan. Um, it was the CMS number two. It was the that was the one that was my favorite one. It was a six week training block, and I ran it so many times. Where that was the first time that I kind of stepped away from the Western the westernized style of training where you train each lift once a week kind of a thing yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was the more the frequency and the the short of the shako style of of very high volume uh sub-maximal loading in terms of percentages and sometimes you'd you know i'd squat twice in the same workout so i'd squat and then i'd bench press and then i'd go yeah. back and squat again and that was really when i i think i had this huge the biggest breakthrough from uh, where where my lifts had gotten to a certain point, but then just that that style of training and stuff, everything kind of blew up, and I think that's where it became a little bit more relevant to to like where more people were noticing kind of those numbers on a, maybe a national level um, within our I mean within this you know within the context of our sport in right, general right, right, is already right. kind of kind of niche, but uh, after having done that is when I started to get looked at by um, like sponsorship type things and and had a well probably a little bit before then yeah it would have been a little bit before then because i was a universal athlete when i did my first meet after having done a shako training block and that was when i hit like a total that was um at the time was was pretty good i was at 195 i totaled 1746 yeah um, which now I can total that without the knee wraps, <laughs> and and uh, but at the at that time that was a pretty big deal for me. Well, and that's also I mean also the, I mean the numbers that people are hitting now versus then I mean just in general, the, the yeah, almost just, like inflation know, inflation right? of, of of capabilities. And I know everyone's numbers uh, or more strong or stronger people have been coming into the sport since then. It feels like didn't you? Were you in contact with Shaco? 
for like a period of time where he was like no not, okay. no I always yeah. used to just say I always used to just say that Boris had oh, okay. doing then something I'm just kind of a thing no 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 I was like I was like I didn't uh, I didn't get into coaching until the last couple of years actually okay, I started yeah, yeah. getting my own coaches because um, I. I, I used to joke that I've had I've entrusted more people with like my life you know doctors and, and yeah, those yeah. kind of things than I would with my programming because I the the idea of knowing that someone else is as committed to your success as you could possibly oh bro well you're a fucking freak when it comes to your program like you are meticulous I, I, I mean that's one thing I've always remember just observing about you is you, just how meticulous you are shit uh I remember one of the first times I ever was around, not the first time I met you, but one of the first times I was ever around you, something about someone walked in from outside where there was water on the floor and you were already in your like lifting shoes and you got water in your lifting shoes and you were fucking pissed. You can't be slipping around. I know, I get it. I get it. Yeah, no, it makes it, now I get it, you know, but then I was just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, Plus, you were stronger than me, so I was jealous. Beyond, I had some, <laughs> I had, no, I had some insecurity issues. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, God, this guy. Is... No, I've gotten. I, I think I've also mellowed out a little bit in in general. I the stronger I've gotten, the less uh, the less uh, proud. I not proud of it because I'm I'm proud of what I've been able to do. The the more it's the the Dunning Kruger, the better you get, the more you realize how bad you used to be oh, yeah, and yeah, how yeah, much yeah. further you could go. And I don't want to look back on myself in five years and and think like, man, I thought I was such a big deal. I I definitely have my humility has has developed at a faster rate than my total has. I guess like so every time I get stronger, I feel less. Uh, boastful of of the work that I've done just because I recognize that I, I used to I used to think I was a bigger deal than I do now and I'm infinitely stronger and more knowledgeable now than I used to be well it's perspective like, yeah. I mean you realize like A how much how much once you learn a bunch you realize how much you don't know mm-hmm. you know in, in your you know around other lifters like oh Jesus I still have like a long ways to go or where you know whatever yeah whatever it is um no, but you were always a pretty humble guy. I mean, I'm, I'm tossing that. I, I was using that as an example of being meticulous. <laughs> right, like, right. I have a goddamn plan. No, the water is fucking up my plan. Very much, <laughs> very much so was uh, one of the things that I've always really liked about this. Because I, I do struggle in general, though, with like organization. And it's been the one area of my life that I felt like I could have some semblance of control of the plan with because of so much of the rest of my you know the rest of my mental faculties are like just trying to like get to the point where where, okay. where can I find my stability yeah, lifting yeah, yeah, has yeah. always kind of been that because it's always the thing that I can come back to that is is about me and it's about the the, the way that I can approach it and I'm not having to depend on someone else you know sometimes you have training partners and but you know if they let you down or whatever it's you're still the one who has to do the work for you no one else can do it for you uh, it was kind of my draw away from team sports and more towards this idea of I don't ever want to look at a performance that I've done and be able to to have the, to be able to pin it on someone else. It can't be someone else. Well, your it, name's what, attached to it, so yeah, you want to be of a high quality. I'm I'm I now have ownership of my own successes and my own failures. Um, though I I try to share the positive things now that I do have other people too, like my coaches. I try to give them 
you know, as much credit as I, as I possibly can because I know uh, how, how challenging it can be to work with someone. And I, I think, I, I, I aspire to be more coachable is, is the thing. And that's, I think, why I have two coaches. And that's, that's almost abnormal to have two people because yeah, I want them to, the yeah, I want them to be able to overrule me. Yeah, if I, if I'm getting stubborn, if I, if I feel like I know something that, you know, or I'm, I'm thinking about it, I want to be able to have the talk with them. But if they still feel like the decision they're making is right, I want them to be able to feel like they can overrule me. Because uh, if I have if I have a lifter who, you know, is is young and excited about, oh, I think I, I think I know what's I think I know what I'm going to do, and they're not if they weren't listening to my plan because they thought they knew better, I'd be pretty annoyed that my name is on, you know, that yeah. like oh, yeah. well, you, you're not my lifter if you're doing your your idea of what you think is better if you're ignoring the oh, yeah. the stuff I'm giving you. I don't want to have my name attached to that when you hurt yourself or when you don't reach the goals you want. And you're like, well, my, the coaching didn't work, and you fail to mention that you didn't oh, yeah. follow the programming at all. Well, how many people do you see that like, oh, this, you know, they bounce from program to program or coach to coach, like, oh, this is shit and that's mm-hmm. shit. Like, well, what are you doing? What are yeah. you actually doing? Yeah. You have to, you have, one of the, one of the biggest realizations, I think, that, that, not just that I've made through, because I haven't had to run into this too much with my coaches, um, but I've seen with other lifters is if you're going to go out of your way and commit to trying something, you need to make sure that you try it enough to find out if it worked be, and and to recognize and take the chance that it may not, but you can actually learn something. If it didn't work, now you have that, you know, there's only so many things you can try that you think are a good idea yeah. and then find out they don't work and then you can, like, you don't okay, have to go back yeah, to that, I know right? This does not work for me. Yeah, and I think that's one of my biggest strengths as a coach for my own lifters is that I've done so many things wrong throughout. I've, I was fortunate enough to start early enough that I made so many mistakes with with the way that I approach things, or uh, in terms of in terms of the the method, not so much the the mental approach or the commitment to it. But I've I've made so many mistakes that I feel like I have a very wide uh, history of when I recognize someone doing something that I used to do that was stupid I can tell them much more quickly and then I can I can help them yeah I can help them correct the behavior of saying hey it's done and it's not just dumb because I think it's dumb it's dumb because I did it and I know from experience it's dumb and so I I think that I could get a lifter who's my similar genetic quality of myself I think I could get them to where I have gotten in half the time because I've I, but I don't consider that a waste because if I didn't know the things I know from those potentially negative experiences, then I wouldn't be able to, to understand why I was doing it. I think that's really important. No, I, I couldn't agree. Well, I think, but I think for, especially for a younger athlete, that attitude can be harder mm-hmm. because you don't view it as a long, long-term thing. I, I, like I preach this all the time to my kids that, hey, lifting, this is all about the long game. This is all about the long game. You know, and I think it takes, for most people, I think it takes a lot of time before they realize that. Mm-hmm. I think you were probably on to that earlier than most, and which is part of why I think you've had so much success is because you were willing to try different stuff and you, like, like took in as much information as you could. Hand, I mean, as you could. I mean... I don't. I think a lot of people don't realize. You know, you're a lifetime like drug-free athlete. Right. 
So, A, being lifetime drug-free, like, you have to take a longer game approach. And the fact that you've been able to compete with some of the best people, in the, definitely in the country, and at this point now, some of the best people in the world, uh, is a testament to the, like, planning it out, or not maybe not planning it out, but, like, being patient with it and just staying the course, consistency. But then also, like, you know, you definitely have some, like, genetic gifts, but you're not, like, the most genetically gifted dude ever. It's not like you're some, you know, I think you'll hear Fred ha Fred Hatfield would tell stories of him being able to, like, oh, I could do, pick this up and that up by the time I was 10. Like, right. you weren't that guy. Right. You know, so it took a ton of work, a ton of learning, and a ton of patience to be able to get to where you yeah gotten. well like i said the first time that people were recognizing you know as a when i was finishing up high school i'd been lifting for you know eight years almost a, almost a decade and like i said that the it took a few years after that before people started to really you know I, I i joke that i've always um no one accused me of being genetically gifted until i've been lifting for 10 years yeah, and i would and i would challenge anybody who is I, I guess I don't I don't see myself as being exceptional physically. Um, well, you sure you certainly weren't given shit genetics. Well, I mean, it's right. Well, I don't I don't think that I I would I guess I wouldn't say that I'm like below average, but I didn't feel like I was above average, and I think that someone just without without anything that's like legitimately holding right. them back could could achieve the things that I've worked to. Maybe not in the same uh, in kind of the same give and take in terms of like my I know that for the deadlift specifically I have longer arms and a shorter torso I, I am more genetically predisposed to to be able to lift more with the deadlift than I am say with the bench press you know factor that in with a shoulder with a chronic shoulder issue my bench press I feel like is is artificially lowered where maybe yeah. my deadlift well, is your a bench, little bit your bench, higher, bench press has always been that like thorn in your side right or that thorn in my shoulder as it yeah, feels yeah. like to me but uh but in general though I would say that the the thing that I would take away from from that sort of an understanding of that sort of approach is you can't control your genetics you can only control your your uh your approach and your effort level and so I would always encourage people even if I was to be some sort of genetic and I, the thing is I've met people who are the genetic elite I've, I've lifted on the Everyone same at this table has met yeah I've, I've lifted on the same platform as Jesse Norris who I yeah. just don't understand yeah. and he works incredibly hard don't get me wrong but he he the work that he is doing has allowed him to do more than people who are putting a lot of very expensive drugs into their body yeah. And he's passing his drug tests, so it's one of those things that, like, that when I see him compete in the same meet that I'm competing at, and he has a bad meet and still beats everybody who, who just brought their best, it's like that's yeah. that to me is I see that, and so whenever someone says, "Oh, well, you're just genetically gifted," I say, even if that were true, what's the point of yeah. of having that conversation? Yeah. The only the only benefit that's going to do is maybe make you feel a little better. Right. But if but if you control your effort and you give your best your best approach, if every single thing that you're doing within your control is has your full focus and attention on it, then you're going to be able to get better than you were before. Because I don't, it doesn't. Powerlifting isn't a sport where you are being able to affect the your opponent's performance. 
It's not like a football game where I might be able to block you from getting a tackle. Okay, I'm, it's all you. Yeah, it's and and someone else maybe either, even if you're competing head to head against one another, I can't make you not as strong for this. I can't I can't lift better, which makes your job harder. Where you're you're still within your own, and that's I think something that is kind of unique about our sport in that. The, the head-to-head is less of a is more just an indicator of like we lifted in the same meet so the judges were consistent right you know that, that's 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 very much like what my opinion on being a lifter and being a competitive lifter mm-hmm. is about like and I'll tell this to other people or I'll tell this to like some of the high school athletes I, I coach and I'm like, and I'm like I know this sounds corny like I know it sounds dumb as shit but it's really just about beating you it's really about beating yourself and improving yourself because if you go out there and focus on what the other guys are doing or fo- focus more about beating them, the odds are you won't have your best day. And your best chance of beating them is by having your best day. Yeah. And, and by beating yourself. And their performance is 100% out of your control. Yeah. Like your placement in a meet is, is not within your own control. You can give yourself a better chance by having your best day and having your best performance, but you, when someone says, like, I want to win this title, it's like, well, you never know who's going to show up. And so how about we try to have you go and and leave that saying, there's nothing I could have done to give myself a better shot. I think that's a much healthier mentality, and it's it's a mentality of pursuing mastery over pursuing achievement, because achievement or like chasing a number or something, you can't control that. That's not within your ability. And and it's a lot of those are arbitrary. Like chasing a number is arbitrary. Well, why do you want that lift? Well, you just want you know if if you're not capable. Well, if you're not capable of reaching that, uh, your approach like the I think that the the right mindset and the right way to approach any kind of training is to give yourself the best opportunity that you personally have to make the most improvement that you can for the longest period of time that you are able. And if you approach it in that way, like this rep right now is my chance to get better and I can work on improving for it and I can give my full focus and attention to this, you're going to end up with a better result than if you tried to rush it and do something because you can either do the thing or you can't do the thing. And if if you're incapable or if you are capable of doing it and you're able to execute and perform that thing, then awesome. That's that's, that's what, what you've you worked work for, but you can't you can't, you can't change, change your capability if you're doing if you're already doing everything you can. And so comparing it to someone else, like I need to get this number to beat them. Well, if you aren't capable of getting that number because you haven't you haven't had the time or the or the work to, to get, or even if you weren't capable of doing it, you shouldn't feel bad about losing because you didn't have the capability at that time. You should look and say, well, where am I coming from? What did I use? What am I further along than I was? Okay, then I've made some progress. And if you're not, then it's it's a good opportunity to reflect and think, what did you do, and what can I change in the future? And again, it comes down to that long game approach of the the longer you do this and avoid injury, the more likely you are going to get to a higher level than you otherwise would have. You know, the fastest way to the fastest way to, to be further from your potential today than you were yesterday is to get hurt and have to take six months of recovery. Yeah. That's a great way to put all that. That was fucking great. I'm uh, listen to that. Man. Are you taking notes, Kyle? 
If you want to be able to deadlift 500 for three, you better be taking notes. My deadlift days might be coming to an end. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Just, it was causing a lot of pain. Is the belly getting in the way? <laughs> no. Big fucking scar on my back got in the way. No. Belly will get in the way. The belly was like a boost, man. No. That's how I cranked that. <laughs> you get the, the, belly, <laughs> the belly boost in your deadlift? Uh, well, I started at 42, so, you know, like, I hit the stuff I wanted to hit. Whatever. 42 years young. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're More life experience, experience ready to go. You're, you're a muscle maturity. <laughs> if, if you knew the progression, yeah. you, what are you doing? You should not do that. Yeah, he's like, fucked his back up. He fell off like some goddamn stairs. Say, look, Kayla, when you're talking about the reflection and, and everything, I think I saw Kayla realize that this year. She stopped chasing in a sense, it seemed like, and just wanted to do her best rather than caring about, you know, because in the high school level, she was right there with the, the gear people, and she initially, all she wanted to do was win, 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 but then she realized, look, I'm just going to as close as I can, do the best I can rather than worry about what it, they're going to do. It's so hard when coaching those high school kids. It's it is, it so is. hard mm -hmm. to be like, hey, man, let's just focus on what you can yeah. do. Let's try to beat your best from last time or whatever it is Kayla gets it because she's been doing it longer than the rest well I don't even know if it's I don't know if it's just an American thing or whatever but the, the whole idea of like let's just focus on beating ourselves let's like improve ourselves to that to a lot of people I know like it sounds really like hokey like oh, okay whatever well, but it's like, true though I mean you have to think that well it is but I mean yeah it's well it's it's easy to say it and not actually do it right. not actually embody it and because you can't it, you can try to lie to yourself but if you don't actually believe that and that's why I really do push the 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 mental approach of let's focus on mastery because if you're closer to that then it's also going to give you the best chance to succeed externally like if you're focusing on the internal path if you're focusing on what you can control accepting the things you can't because you can't you can't change what someone else is doing or their capability you can't change the external factors of this happened or that happened if it's truly out of your control then you need to just take what you can from it to maybe you know is there something I could do in the future to, to give myself a better shot with these external factors of maybe avoiding them or make better choices leading into it? And if there is, then okay, then you've learned from that. Now let it, the rest of it go because it doesn't do you any good to focus on that or dwell on that. And then to stay, you know, I practice mindfulness a lot of the time. I'm just staying in the moment and committing myself to this one thing. Um, if I've got a set of 10 reps which why would anyone ever want to do that, right? But if I've got a set of 10 reps, the first, if I'm already thinking about reps 7, 8, 9, and 10 when I do my first one then maybe I'm not giving my full attention to that first rep you have to think about each thing you're doing of can I give my best effort for this one thing and kind of open yourself up to what you're about to do do it and then that one's done close it off focus on the next one and kind of how do you do that though I mean how do you set yourself up I mean how do you how do you so a couple things how do you Start rolling into the workout, mentally preparing yourself for the workout, for the training itself. You know, and then how would you? How do you stay in the moment for every rep? I mean, how do you? How do you like rolling into the training or when you're at the chalk bowl? Right. How do you block out the fact that like, oh man, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's banging that dude next door, or like, or so, like, God, I just want a donut the, in my face. The way that I would, um, first of all, it's 
it's something that you need to practice to be able to call on that. And I do, you know, I maybe it sounds hokey to some people, but I, like I said, I practice mindfulness. I meditate every day because it's a, it's a rep for your mind. It's you can't stop yourself from thinking those thoughts. You can't stop yourself from having emotions. It, it happens internally, and you can't lie to yourself that it's not happening. But what you can do is you can practice bringing yourself back once you've started to drift. And so just recognizing it and building awareness and, and bringing in your focus to being able to, uh, to try and be aware of what you're feeling and the reality of this present moment. So when you go in, if you're having something that is going on in the back of your mind, telling someone, well, just don't think about that is impossible. Recognize that you're thinking about it and then ask yourself the question it becomes a decision. Is dwelling on that or thinking about kind of what's going to happen 10 minutes from now or what just happened 20 minutes ago, is that going to help me in this moment do the thing that I've chosen to do? Because there's no one making you do this. This is all, it's always a choice. And that's what it has to come down to. It doesn't matter if you're motivated. It doesn't matter if you think you can do the thing or not. It's, it, you are either capable of doing it or you're not capable of doing it. And so if you open yourself up into the understanding of my best effort right now. Everything, all of my focus is going on to this being present in this lift or in this workout or, or however much you want to break it down to. That has my full attention. And when I'm done with this, okay, then I'll go on to the next thing, but I'm not going to let that, because it's gonna, you're, you're gonna split your attention. It's gonna make it so you're not able to do either thing. You're, you're worrying so much about your girlfriend that you're not, having a good session and so neither one of those things is getting the attention that it needs in that you know the thoughts of what you can control after the session is you're you're dwelling so much on that you're gonna have a bad a bad workout it's gonna it's gonna put you off in the other things that you're doing so you just and sometimes you have a bad workout sometimes you do a rep and you and you come up and that was bad okay that's information that can be useful information but don't get emotionally attached to it to where it, it pulls your attention away to where you're not thinking about the next rep that you have to do. It's, I mean, it, it just comes down to practice. And so I, I started out kind of doing the mindfulness stuff. There's a, a sports psychologist um, or a sports psychology trainer. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he can't be called a sports psychologist technically, I believe. Um, but he's the coach of my favorite esports team, or he was, Weldon Green. He had this program kind of called the MAC program. It stands for Mindfulness, Acceptance, Commitment. And it was 44 sessions, 15 minutes to half an hour long that had kind of these ideas of like developing poise and leaning into pressure. And uh, each one of those sessions would have like a 10-minute uh, exercise of of mindfulness and being able to that was my introduction to using it because a lot of people say oh yeah, I'm aware of you know I'm aware of the present I'm not drifting too much and, yeah, yeah. but you know if I asked you like how heavy do your clothes feel right now you'd, you'd be like well what do you mean well we've got you know depending on your depending on your proclivity of how of how uh, sassy you're feeling most of us have like 80 to 90 percent of our bodies totally covered with this stuff that we don't even think about how well as always we're recording this naked yeah, yeah, well, so I mean, my clothes weigh nothing, right? There we go. There's, that's, you know, that's beyond the point. <laughs> your chest hair is very well groomed, by the way. Thank you. I, uh, I put a lot of time and effort into it. I, I treat it very, very importantly. But that's that's the idea of 
of practicing that, I've since moved on to uh, an app called the Headspace app, and I every single day I take at least ten minutes to. I have yet to work into it. It's it it takes it takes work. It takes legit work. Well, and that thing, that app itself has you can change the amount of time that you're doing it for. So the first few you can do three, five, or ten minutes, and just sometimes it's helpful to take ten minutes of your day and sit down and close your eyes and focus on what you're. What you're feeling? Do you have a specific time that you do this throughout the day? Or do I do. I now do. I've moved up to where I do pretty much multiples uh, throughout the day, but I try to start my days with it. So I'll wake up. I have a little. I have a little journal um, to practice my my gratitude in the morning because I think that's the strongest antidepressant I've ever run into is waking up and writing three things down. That's some Marcus Aurelius shit right there. Well, it's the if you write down the first you know three things that you think are awesome about your life. It, it's actually a little bit more difficult to feel bad for yourself or to be upset or start your I think day. a lot of people wake up thinking about the shitty things. What I have to do today or what this is. Well, I, I encourage anybody who's listening to this, wake up tomorrow, right, right now. What are three things in your life that are just, that you're happy about? And they can start out being, you know, maybe it's... Men are naked. Two, they're going to stay naked. Three, we get to be naked together. There you go. Right there, that's that's a no, win. But for real, those that's awesome. Please keep going. Please. Yeah. So I no, it's it's okay. It's totally okay. I but I start doing that, and then I usually do a ten minute meditation session to kind of put myself in the right mental space of just. I'll write. I'll write. It's it's. I use a thing. It's called the five minute journal. So you do three things you're grateful for, three things that would make today awesome, and then one thing that's a daily affirmation. And mine recently has been I am I am capable of doing more than I've done so far. And I, and through hard work, I can continue to do more. And that's kind of been my daily affirmation for a while. For a while, it was I'm, you know, I I can be a consistent person. And then I usually end my day with, you know, three three great things that happened during the day that were great. And then one thing that uh, that it would be nice if I ran the same day again, if I could do it, if I could do something better and improve it in some way. What's one thing that I could do and take over to the next thing? And so. Um, but then I followed it up with the meditation, and I think just a, a, a decent way to approach your day is to to kind of take stock at the end of the day of you know, am I closer to the person that I want that I want to become now than I was at the start of the day? If yes, awesome, I made I made some progress. If no, well I forgive myself for being a human. I'm going to try it again tomorrow, and I'm going to use that as a chance to to have given myself some feedback and say I you know yesterday wasn't a waste necessarily but I didn't I didn't reach the goal that I have of, of getting closer to that person and so tomorrow's you know thank goodness I have another opportunity to do it tomorrow and so forgive yourself at night every night for being for, for being a person and not always being a hundred percent perfect and then wake up and commit to to something commit to, to improving in some way Based on whatever it is you what you want to do, I don't care if you want to lift weights or if you want to do well in school or if you want to be successful in in the workplace. It's it comes down to making the choices of the kind of person that you want to be and the goals that you set for yourself, and then do whatever it takes to to make the movement forward to do that. Push the ball forward. Yeah, you can't necessarily do it all in one day, but if you're a little bit closer at the end of each day, then you are making progress, and that's something to celebrate. Well, it's, it's the long game with yourself, yeah. you know, not just in with the weights, but as a person. Mm-hmm. Do you do much 
visualization as far as like for lifts or for training sessions? Do you so I my my approach is less visualization focused i think um and i know some people who do and yeah, i know some, some people very are successful really, people who are really bill, bill kazmaier was really i mean every time you hear him talk he's always about like you got to visualize 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 and he's really big into that right i think that's the the psychological approach that i take is less dependent on a visualization or even the expectation of success it's it's really is embracing the acceptance commitment aspect of that kind of mindfulness acceptance commitment structure um i don't need to be motivated to train anymore i don't need to believe i can do the thing or not anymore i am committing to giving my best regardless and not having a connection to the outcome, because if I'm if I've done the work to be capable of performing the thing that I can do, then I'll be able to do it and execute. And I'm not going to let that cloud my uh, cloud my intention of worrying of whether or not I can do it. And I think a lot of times when people focus, and this is again, I think that the sports psychology field is kind of split on this because there are a lot of people who preach kind of uh, how to build your self confidence and visualizing yourself being successful and doing these things. And there's some people that I greatly respect in the field that are on the opposite end of this who really kind of push for those sorts of of uh, the, the building of the self-confidence and, and doing that where I think that I've kind of fallen into the category of saying I don't want to I don't want to have some expectation that's tied to something that I'm that I may not live up to. I want my expectation to be effort-based and not result-based. I want to have my expectation be, I'm going to give the best I can, and if I'm not able to do it, then I'm going to immediately be able to forgive myself uh, because I know that I've approached every single thing in this training block to the best of my ability, and I'm going to learn what I can from it, and I'm not going to carry it around afterwards. I'm, I'm very open to the idea of failure. <laughs> as long as I learn something from it. And if I didn't learn something from it, well, I know that I need to learn something next time I fail. But I've, I've failed so many times, and I don't, I don't let that be something that causes a, a fear within myself of, of keeping me from wanting to, to keep doing it. You know? And I think that motivation and self-confidence are great when you have them. <laughs> they're, they're great tools to use. I don't ever want to be dependent on motivation. I don't ever want to be dependent on. on well, you see that. With, you see that with tons of. I mean, myself included. Like, I, you know, uh, so many of us as, as lifters, and I think probably just athletes in general, have to get up. We have to get up for the training session. Mm -hmm. We have to get ourselves up for the meet, or you know, like. Um, we have to figure out how to, that's why you see pre-workout is like the fucking biggest goddamn market ever, you know, cause people need to get hyped up. They feel like they need to have like high energy levels and all that stuff to get. So the fact that you've been able to like, you know, work through that and not ha have that be what you, necessary for your training is like, uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you right, right now. Your, your chi is showing because you're so goddamn enlightened that I don't know how to handle it. How the fuck did you get into this sports psychology um, mindfulness thing? Was it 
something you're because this is like some eastern philosophy type stuff the the this particular style of meditation was brought over it's probably the most western successful like the most the most successful style of meditation that was brought over because of its application for things like sport performance and for success in a western uh approach i guess we 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 talk about success way differently in Mm. our part of the world than a lot of other places do i think that america in particular has kind of a reputation internationally for being one of the places where it's the most everybody has this sense of kind of undying optimism that they can make it sort of a deal and there's so many other places in the world where that's just not the case where it's your yeah so you're not if you're a baker in fucking lithuania you don't view success as like i want to own a hundred bakeries i want to be the best goddamn baker or like if you if you live in a place where they have god forbid a caste system where you're just born as lesser and you don't have a chance to escape that that's not really the case over here everyone has this kind of undying optimism of glass if ceiling I, if I work hard enough I can do it yeah. right it's like the lotto system everybody has a chance yeah you know, and just having the chance right but how but what turned you on I mean what what like how did you when did you turn the corner I mean how did you describe <laughs> that this was a path you, this was some I've, shit you needed to well I've been, I've been I've been chasing kind of the mental for me the lifting for a very long time has been a mental thing because that's always the part that I'd struggle with the most. It's when did you discover it was mental, though? I mean, was it because you had some injuries around 2010-ish? Was it like, man, I got hurt? Or or, or is it... When, I, like, when did you... I would say the last... In, only in the last few years have I committed to kind of the the actual... like the mental game. Well... I mean, mean, for for years I've been making videos talking about mentality, but only in the last couple of years have I been able to put in some some work with, like, the research behind it, I guess, with the science that accompanies it and with uh, some of these other external methods. Because, I I mean, I've made... I've, I've talked a lot in my videos for years and years about, like, this is what I'm thinking and here's... Uh, here's how I'm going to approach it. Because it really has always been about mental resilience and building that up and i didn't i don't think i always had the same way to think about it i guess i i i've i've known how important the mental aspects were because that's that's the one thing that that i think can kind of transcend your genetic potential it's about your work ethic it's about your mental approach it's about those are the things that you can control i can't control what i'm limited by physically all i have a sin is is the work that I'm willing to do and the way I'm willing to approach it. And so, um, probably just the last. I think I got the my first my first real exposure to sports psychology as something that I could learn more about, other than just you know this is my. Uh, I mean, I, I I had a guy years ago that. The, call me the power the powerlifting Gandalf because of some of the wisdomful stuff that I would try and say in some of my videos. Right? Yeah. That's the, so it was. Be, that was, I hadn't really been well, exposed less to. You're less grumpy than Gandalf. Gandalf's very grumpy. Oh, you shall not It's a. My wife would be going crazy right now. She's huge. Oh yeah, I love Tolkien. Maybe a table full of Tolkien here. But uh, but. 
I've, I've been fascinated with the mental aspects of it for years. In the last few years, I started learning more about kind of standardized approaches. Standardized is a horrible word for that. Kind of, kind of more directed approaches towards the the practice of mindfulness with intentional meditation, with you know causing myself to like sit down and say, what am I doing for the next ten minutes? It doesn't matter. I'm focusing on what I am feeling and 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 what I can hear. Bring myself into the moment. Uh, a lot of the time, that kind of meditation is focused on something that is without time. So the breath is usually. Uh, the focus for that because if I asked you to remember the breath you took five minutes ago there's no way you could or the breath you're going to take five minutes from now you can't it only exists in this moment and you can only focus on this one and then it's gone and that breath is gone forever and and being present with that now sensation is something that you can carry through to the thoughts that you're having recognizing when you're having a thought in your mind noting it saying that's a thought I'm thinking right now about that is it directed? Is it directed the way that I want it to be? Or is it just kind of transient and going through on its own? Well, it's not directed. I'm going to bring it back and I'm going to choose what this next thing is. And it's not perfect, but you get, and you can't stop yourself from having those thoughts, but you can get much more practice at redirecting yourself. Well, it, it catching it when you drift and then bringing it back and it happens with anger or frustration. I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do dealing with rehab or injury is to catch yourself because you, you're thinking about the ramifications of this feeling. Like there's when someone talks about unbearable pain, that doesn't exist. Because, or at least we don't know if it does because if it was ever unbearable, then you you didn't bear it. As soon as you recognize that you're having pain, You've already borne that pain, and the fear and the the reflex the reflexive action against that is to kind of recoil because you're dreading the next instance of pain. It's it's actually crazy how much more you can deal with than you recognize when you realize why you're having that sensation. Um, my uh, I think I might have told you this. My friend Adam came. Uh, to the to the house a few weeks ago before he left for New Orleans, and he brought out this it's like this crazy hyphy stem machine yeah, yeah, called the yeah, yeah. ARP, and we go through and it's a, and the way he was describing it was this excruciating pain because you're going through and like hitting some damaged neurology. So you put an electrode on like the front of my shoulder and on the back, and he said it's you know we'll know when we find it because it's going to be just this ridiculous amount of this this amount of pain and. He was surprised at how much I was able to deal with it, and I said, oh, I think that's just the meditation that I've been doing, because I, when you recognize what that pain is coming from, it's your body telling you, it's, it's information. Pain is just information to your brain saying that some, some sort of injury is inevitable. I'm, I'm, I, I need to stop whatever I'm doing because it's going to lead to something worse. Um, but when you recognize that that's not the case, it's just the pain is just there it's in your mind it's your body telling you that but if you know that you're safe then you can actually not ignore it but when you recognize it you can continue to work in spite of it and that is a really powerful perception shift because when you're in the middle of a set and you feel dead you feel absolutely like I'm. I'm just feel horrible. I don't want to do this anymore. And you can ask yourself seriously, but can I do anymore? 
Yeah, I think I can. Okay, then you do another one. Can I do one more? Can I make it better? Okay, I did it. And that's so powerful to push through those ideas of what pain is because the pain is just information. And when you have that disconnect where you're not you're not you're not embodying the pain, you're you're noting what it is and you're being honest with it to a level of like just straight up understanding of of what is this pain? Is the information that it's giving me useful? Is, is it telling me something like I need to rack the bar right now because it's going to end badly or is it just I'm uncomfortable, I don't like this because that's fine. I can live in discomfort. I can I can experience that and and if the information that I'm getting is, you know, I'll make the judgment but it's my choice at that point. So it's, it is. It's some Zen kind of stuff of just, but, but the... I'm not saying, I mean, it's way easier said than done, right? It's... Well, you said it. It's my. It's deliberate. It, it's intentional. Mm -hmm. It takes work. So like, I read Chuck Norris's *The Art of Zen*, and he didn't cover any of this shit. <laughs> Dang it, Chuck! Get your stuff. Well, I, I think we probably should wrap it up because my brain is so much. Oh, sorry, I'm blown away. I was hurt for like. 12 years and a lot of it I, I had to internalize a lot of it and what you're talking about really it, it, it hits home pretty heavy with a lot of it but tell people where they can find you because you talk about videos you made and oh yeah I uh, really plug the shit yeah, you know, <laughs> if you if people you, need, you people need you need to listen to Ben <laughs> I just, trust me you need if you if you just search Ben Rice on YouTube I'll probably be the channel that pops up I've got a few thousand videos up there um, you're, like, I, you're like Rev it's Rev 198 yeah. or something on. I think my Twitter is something like no, but Ben Rice 198. Uh, my Instagram is Ben Ben Rice dot ten. If you could give it to Chris or at some point. Yeah. Well, I, I follow him on Instagram. What's your Twitch also? Because I know you do a lot. Twitch. Of, a lot of Twitch is Ben Rice. Ben Rice underscore PL Gandalf. Um, I I live stream uh, my workouts usually two days a week. Do you live stream on YouTube and Twitch? YouTube on Twitch. I use an app that lets me simulcast on both. So I'm reading I'm reading the chats from both of those. Um, I have a athlete Facebook page, but. I don't. I'm not super active on that anymore. But you can still. It's another place. Usually, whenever I go live on any of these things, or when I upload things, I try to share them to all those social media, just so people have opportunities to. If they want to follow along, they can follow along. And if they don't, that's totally fine too. I'm. It's crazy to me that anybody like wants to be in. This. Well, I appreciate that. So. Yeah. I feel like we have so much more to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I just mean, the bad surface here. We're, we're kind of. We're, hopefully, we're we're lucky, and we your nakedness is. Scaring him away right now. Yeah, because well, uh, he is living back in the area, so we can hopefully yeah, hijack. Him. I'm enduring it. I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that you're like a musician. Oh, I know that you right. currently hold the record for longest bachelor's degree. Yeah, yeah. We have to we have to have this in here. What, what does this mean exactly? Oh, it's just been in school for like a decade. Yeah, <laughs> I, you're like. Um, I studied music in school, and if I would have just taken the classes that I just needed to to graduate, then I would, I, you know, I could have been done in four or five years. But I, but I kept taking classes and got an American Sign Language minor for no reason other than I thought it was cool. There's a lot more to talk. Hopefully, we can have. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd like to. This is fun. I'll come back on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I actually think I'm a pretty boring person, but I have a couple of I have a couple of interests that I've put so much of my time into that they they, they give me the illusion of interest. Well, he was like like a competitive gamer for a while. I, I watch competitive games. Oh, well, you were trying to break in. Oh, I was trying to. Yeah, I was. I, I don't play games. I train for games. He's all gamer, but he he hinted to me today. He goes, so like. If I came into the gym, it would feel weird because I would be so far behind everybody. Plus, my sister cannot lift me by like you know a bazillion pounds. I said, Stephen, people don't look at things like that when you come into the gym. As long as you're trying, no, we're judging your outfit. Well, yes, it's yes, the... the outfit is all <laughs> shortest shorts possible. No shirt Sunday, no pants Tuesday. Super sauna Wednesday. Yeah. All the good stuff. Slippery sauna. Oh, that's right. Slippery sauna yeah. Wednesday. Yes. Bill has to slipperize it for us. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, I guess we can wrap this up, man. I really hope we can get you back. For sure. Sometime. For sure. Yeah.